Good morning, church. God bless everyone. Glad to see everyone this morning. Um, I have a scripture for you, which is verse 40, Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says here, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up, up with wings like the eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And that's the word of the Lord. And we're going to pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Father God, we come before you, God. We enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise today, Father. We thank you, hallelujah, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. We thank you for your people today, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for giving us breath this morning, Lord. Thank you for a new day, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for those who are watching online, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for getting us in this house today, Lord. We ask, Father God, for traveling mercies for those who are not here yet, Father God, that they would get here safely, my Lord. We praise you and honor you, Lord. We glorify your name today, Lord. For it is you, Father God, who woke us up this morning to this beautiful Sunday morning, Lord. We're so honored, Lord, to be in your presence today, Lord. And I thank you for the body of Christ today, Lord, everyone that's here this morning, Father God. I ask, Father God, that you would prepare their hearts, my God, to receive your word, my Lord. We thank you for the word that will be brought forth, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for our beautiful Pastor Gwen, my Lord, the mother of this house, my God. We ask, Father God, for a special anointing over her, Lord God, that, Lord, that you would fill her with the Holy Spirit, my God, that the word that she's going to share with us would, would pierce our hearts, my God, that we would not leave here the same, Father God. We honor you, Lord, for our sister, Father God, our mother of Christ, Father God, for allowing her, Lord, to be able to bring the word, Father God. And we thank you for her, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings over her life, Father God. We thank you for your blessings over our pastors and our leaders, my Lord, our elders and deacons, my Lord, our ushers, my God. We thank you, Lord God, for the worship team, my Lord. Bless the voices, my God. Oh, Lord, let them feel a holy anointing on their voices today, Lord, as they worship and bring the songs of praise unto you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in this church today, my God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Hallelujah. We praise you. We honor you, God. We glorify you, Lord. We also want to thank you for our AV team, my God. We thank you for the instruments that we use today, Lord God. Let everything run in order, Father God. Lord, have your way, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. And we repent of our sins, my God. If we've come here with heavy hearts, Lord, we lay it before you today, Lord. We ask for your forgiveness, Lord. Put in us a right spirit, a contrite heart, my Lord. Lord, we ask, Father God, Lord, let it not, that you not look at our sins, my God, that you would have mercy upon each and every one of us, my God. But Lord, we know we are not perfect, Lord, and we come before you with humble hearts, my God, to pray, to ask for your forgiveness, to glorify you, to say thank you, Abba Father, for being our Father in heaven, for being there, Father God, the one that we could come to, Lord, when we're going through our stuff, our mess, Father God. It is you that we could come to, Father God, and we praise you, we trust in you, Lord. We honor you today, Lord, and we thank you for the word, my God. Have your way, Lord. Bless your your members, my God, and bless everyone in this house today, Father God. We thank you for Pastor Gwen, and we thank you for the worship, my Lord. 
We say thank you, Abba Father. We thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name. We say these prayers to your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. And we say amen and amen. Amen. God bless you, Calvary. God bless you. That sounded better. <laughs> Who's ready to worship in this place this morning? Amen. Glory to God. If you know this song, sing it with us. Join us in worship this morning. Amen, because he deserves it.
Together, wonderful to me.
because we really truly will never know what it's like to give up your life for people who have been born. For people who are terrible, horrible, sinners, lost and gone without without Jesus. Thank you. 
praise God. Amen. Before you take your seats, just greet two or three people and tell them he never fails. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated in God's presence. Amen. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. For those of you that are home, God bless you. It's so uh, great to be fellowshipping together with you. Uh, Pastor Eileen this morning, she reminded me she's going to be with us, so God bless you, Pastor Eileen. Amen, Brother Robert, God bless you all. All, all of those that are um, fellowshipping with us today uh, via uh, the internet, via our virtual sanctuary, praise God. Amen. Good to see each and every one of you. Amen. What about Gail? Praise God. She brought it on Friday. I like that quote. You bloom where you're planted. Absolutely. Too many Christians today are basically cacti. Like a cactus? Plural. You know, cactus never plants anywhere. They're always, you know, tumbleweed all over the place. But you, you can't bear fruit that way. Hey, there's a lot of people like that. She made that point. You bloom where you're planted. Well, there's a better place. Well, don't go there because then you're going to mess it up. Because you're called to bloom where you're planted right where you're at. You go somewhere else, you'll be disconnected and disjointed, and then you'll probably bring that disjointing in that other place. Is it? Is it I? Yeah, amen. Praise God. We need to bloom where we planted. So thank you. Thank you so much. Got to get that gift moving more and more. Amen. I just felt, I felt bad because her dad was here. He's a pastor, long time veteran pastor. I would have loved to have said hello to him. But please extend, you know, our love, our appreciation to him. And, um, you know, praise God. It's, it's good. Amen. So Children's Church is active. Yes. Right? You know that, right? So, um, you know, start bringing the children in. The revival is going to happen through our young kids or through our children. That's what's going to happen. Because a lot of the old folk, they're already set in their ways. You know, I'm, I'm one of them now. So I know what I'm talking about. We get set in our ways. But the young people, man, they have that fire, that passion. They're, they're hungry for God. They want to learn. Uh, you know, and God wants to work through them. But here I have a little secret. You have the power of the youth. They're powerful. They're Superman and Superwoman. But if you combine the power of the youth with the wisdom of the older generation, now you have lasting revival. Because we have something to pass on to you. You can't just go somewhere without any training, without any mentorship. What about those young folk, huh? Any, any young folk telling me amen right now? Yeah. When I was young, I, I got saved at 15. My spiritual dads and moms in the church helped me. They, they taught me. They, they literally took me by the hand. 
So I didn't have anybody in my house that uh, taught me about spiritual matters. We were all Catholics, but we were non-practicing. There, there was no real Catholicity in our house that was a, of a, a something I could see. So, ah, that's how you do it. But when I went to church, they taught me. Come here a second. This is how you do it. They taught me how to uh, be able to read the word of God. They taught me how to develop a hunger for God, for a hunger for his word, a joy for the fellowship. You know, I knew nothing when I came to church. Two months later, I was already on a guitar, playing the first, you know, it was the three chords, the C, the D, and the F. Praise God. Yeah. And then, and then the minor chords. With those three, we sung practically 95% of all of the, uh, in those days, right? Now it's a little more complex. But th those days, it was easy. Dun, 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 dun. That's it. 95% of all of them. But I learned. I learned. Praise God. And it was in the church that I learned. And I learned you can't do that. Why? Because look what the scriptures say. That's not who you are. It's not your nature anymore. Oh, okay. See, a lot of stuff is caught when you hang out with, with your mentors. And that's what church does. So if you don't bring your kids to church, shame on you. Now, I'm not talking to you. I'm not, remember, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to those that are seeing this a week from now. What was that? Train them up in the way they should go. That's what the scripture says. Train up a child in the way that he's to go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. And that's what we need to do. Now, having said that, if we don't bring them to church, we don't train them, if we don't disciple them, who's you? Who then are you giving them to disciple? To be disciple? The school? Are you insane lately what the teachers are teaching? Now, not all the teachers, because there are many righteous, even here there are righteous teachers. But I'm saying, leaven has gotten in. And there is a, a faction of teachers that are teaching the most insane things. So thank God for you teachers that are righteous, that, that love God, that, that pray over your kids, that, that mentor them. But we have to do our part. We have to do our part. So we're doing it. On Sundays, uh, right here, the adults get together. There's some amazing stuff that's being taught here. So if, you, if you're not there on Sunday morning, you know, I don't know the word. <laughs> Get here. What, what, what time is it that you get here? 9.30? 9 9 get here 9.30. Sit around the Word. Let, let us feed you and teach you and mentor you. And then for the kids, after worship, they go to their rooms and they get the Word of God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So I praise God for that. There's revival all over the nation right now. Our TV is not showing it. News is not showing it. But I don't care. It's still getting across. The information is still getting around. Over 21 colleges are now experiencing the same thing that Osborne is experiencing. And in different parts of the world, different parts of the world, there's a revival that is breaking out. So people, God's moving. The, the, the world would love to shut this down, but they can't. They can't, simply can't. God is doing something awesome in this day. Wherever much dark, Darkness is great light, thus shine Amen. even more. Hallelujah. praise God for So anyway, um, just uh, last week I shared a couple of things about the tithe and the offering because I wanted to bring clarity about it. 
I wanted to uh, let people know, in this church, we give by revelation. We give by grace. We give because we love God. We give because we recognize he's the Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, having said that, all throughout the beginning, if you read the canon of scripture, you will see the men of old, uh, the, the patriarchs, uh, gave uh, out of this understanding that he is God and he is the provider. You see Abraham, he gave a tenth. Um, anytime God would give him any, he became very rich. Abraham became very rich, but he always gave. Always gave. And God blessed him. God blessed him greatly. His, his son also gave, and God told him, so in this land, and there was famine, and he prospered a hundredfold that year. So you can see all throughout scripture. Yeah, but uh, tithing's not for today. Last week I shared with you how the New Testament does confirm that tithing was taught uh, you know, in, in the New Testament. But remember, the Jewish people, their Bible wasn't the New Testament. It was the Old Testament. And so the Jewish people, they tithe. It was normal for them to tithe. And uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, Paul <coughs> speaks about that. And he amplified it. says this way. On the first day of every week, uh, each of you is to put something aside in proportion to his prosperity. So he wasn't saying everybody's got to give the same amount. In, in proportion to the person's prosperity. Some people made this much, other people made that much. So the ones that gave, uh, that, that worked this much, or provided this much, only gave that much, because that's all they had. But those that had a lot more, they gave a lot more. But they all gave the same in proportion. Amen. You see, yeah. see my point? They all gave, and they gave from their hearts, and they all acknowledged God. They, they acknowledged the spirit of giving. In the Old Testament, God was very angry at his people because, uh, you know, you know uh, verse Malachi chapter 3. You, you, you're not taking care of my house. So, and this was God's thing. You robbed me. How can you rob God? God's the owner of everything. Because they refused to take care of the house of God. That was God's um, assignment to them. Make sure my house is taken care of. And then I will open up the windows of heaven for you. And in the New Testament, you know, it confirms it. You know, uh, you're, you would never rob a, a temple, right? You know, Paul is speaking about that. So yet, some of you are doing it. And you know that Jewish people didn't come in and steal the, the things of the temple. It was the issue of giving. The issue of giving. So Jesus also confirmed tithing. Uh, when you look um, in just <coughs> the verse here so I can read it to you. In Matthew 23, 23, it says, Woe to you. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, the religious ones, the ones that it was supposed that they taught everybody else about God. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Wow, that's it. And that's Jesus calling them hypocrites. And if he calls them a, them a hypocrite, they're hypocrites. Because he always speaks truth. He says, For you pay the tithe, of mint and anise and cumin. Even the smallest things, even herbs, they would pay the tithe. Everything they would pay the tithe. Is, but you neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. So the tithe was there. You, you could see embedded in the conversation. You pay the tithe. But you're neglecting the bigger things. For, for, for Jesus, the tithe was like Christianity 101. That's right. right? And it says, but, then it says this. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. See, so Jesus said, yes, you ought to tithe, but don't forget the more important one, the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. See, so when we look at giving, 
And when we look at giving in its correct uh, context, we're talking about it's a heart matter. Because bottom line, everybody gives. Everybody, everybody gives. Are you aware that the United States is among the most generous of all nations? We give to everything. We give to save the dogs, the cats. We save the bears. We save, oh yeah, we save everything. And we're always giving. And we give lovely. When the politicians come around, we give heavy. Anybody here? <laughs> it's true, we are a giving people. And we give to what's important to us. That's another thing. So for you, if good food is important to you, you know you're leaving your money in the restaurant. At least one person said that. Thank you, Joseph. It's true. We will do, and we will do that without you know batting an eye because we, as far as it's important to us, I need to have a nice meal every once in a while, right? When was the last time you went to a restaurant? Raise your hand, those of you. Last time you went to a restaurant? One, two, three, four, five. Well, I was, I was ready to open up the altar so you could see what you <laughs> Yeah, we do that. All right, when was the last time you went to a movie? Wow. I haven't been to a movie in a while. Who can afford it? It's like $500, right? And that's for the matinee. <laughs> but you know, we, we do things that are important to us. You don't have to tell us what to give because we know what's important to us. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Or where your heart is, there your treasure will be also, right? That's it, they're, they're together. What's important to me, I will give to. So in the kingdom of God, what's important? God's kingdom, make sure that the gospel is preached, make sure that churches are vibrant in community. And so I thank God for the privilege that we can do that in this community. I thank God for this community. I wasn't born or raised here. I was born a couple of miles away. But God planted us here. And then early on, when we were praying, I saw, as it were, tentacles, roots all over the place. And the, and the Lord ministered to me and says, those are the prayers of all the people, of my people, that I'm now going to bring harvest in your generation. So I'm expecting a, a huge move of God in this region. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God also spoke to us that this place will be full of young people, children. And so I declared into the atmosphere, be full of children, young people on fire for God. I declare it. I declare the word of the Lord over this church and over this region. Hallelujah. So we bless God for it, and that's what we are sowing together into. Amen? Praise God. Let's all stand. And let's give, because I'm not today's preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going to be... Yeah, oh, oh. No, she, she, she'll always tell you the truth. One, one, thing, one thing about Pastor Gwen, I've been married to her 45 years, I think so, something like 45 years. I knew her five years before that, and I knew her mother. You, you think Gwen is a straight chick? Her mother, four foot ten, and let me tell you something, she wasn't afraid of anybody, and she wasn't afraid of anyone. I'm serious. <laughs> and she's the one that taught me the word of God. Amen. She brought me in. You, you know what? With Bustelo and nice hot bread with butter. She had me. That's it. She said, quiere cafecito. Now let's open up the word. And I said, oh, the word, yeah. 
So you know the Lord told me, what? You're going to be a pastor. Come on, amen. Here I am, 15 years old. I don't yes. even know what a pastor is. She's telling me that. Praise God. God will always put people in your way. And guess what? Now you're the very people that God's going to put in somebody else's way and let them know. Praise the God. The God. So Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify your holy, holy, holy name. And today, uh, my Heavenly Father, we just are grateful. We're grateful and we celebrate your goodness, your kindness, your love, your tender mercies. We thank you, Father, for this beautiful day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. But Father, our hearts are filled with gratitude, with joy, my God, because of your presence. Lord, in the midst, my Father, of a world that's experiencing so much turmoil, Father, our heart rejoices in you. Because you're with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. And I thank you for what you're doing throughout all the land, my God. The news is always portraying bad news, but I thank you that in the gospel there's good news. And I thank you for what you're doing all throughout the land. In the Bronx, in New York, in the tri-state area, in the Northeast region, all throughout the United States, around the world, your spirit is moving powerfully. And we praise you for it. Thank you for all the sons and daughters that are coming home yes, to you, Lord. my Lord, that are being saved, healed, set free, encouraged, delivered, uplifted, restored. And Father, we declare that over our sons and daughters. We declare that over all of those that are watching online, Lord, that your power flow right in the home, right now, Lord God. That your healing anointing, your healing virtue, your grace, your favor, that spirit of joy to permeate their homes, Lord God. Right now, right in their hearts, Lord God, let them sense your presence and sense your joy right now. Hallelujah. And Father, this moment we take a portion of that which you've blessed us with, and we sow it into your kingdom, thanking you for you are the owner of all the gold and the silver and the cattle of a thousand hills, my God. You are the all that you're the owner of all the gold and silver. And so, Father, we are stewards. And this moment, as co-laborers with you, we sow into your kingdom giving you all the glory, honor, and praise, and thank you, Lord God, for the privilege that you give us to become givers like you are. So, Father, we pray that you receive the tithe and the offering right now through our Son, through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, because we give you the glory, my God, and we recognize his Lordship over our life, my Father, over our mind, our heart, over our actions, over our finances, over our future and destiny. He is Lord. We bless you for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Those of you that are online, you can freely give. Right now, you can go to the website, CalvaryNY, CalvaryNY.org, CalvaryNY.org. So go and uh, feel free to give there. And we thank you so much for it. God bless you all. Let's continue worshiping Almighty God. No, I can't. 
Oh
setting me up. Amen. Seriously, in many ways it's set up a person to be able to share the word. Amen. 
And so I went there, and then, you know, she started uh, teaching me. And then we all went together to the same church first time, and um, we got saved in the same church that same day. And, you know, Amen. eventually fell in love. And when I asked her for her hand in marriage at 18, her mother told me no. She told me some things that I cannot repeat right now. <laughs> 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 Suffice it to say, I was too young and I was not educated enough. But you know, love is a powerful thing. At the end of the day, both her and I, we really loved each other. And after a while, she had to relent. And you know what I love about it? Years later, Years later, she became a member of Calvary Christian Church. Come on. She would go around and she would introduce me to her friends said, this is my son. So after a while, you know, she, uh, we developed a really wonderful love. And of course, dad was, was, he was a peach. He was a peach, he was a good man, good man, quiet. Didn't bother anybody, but Eric, but if you mess with his kids, then you change. He's a quiet man. But in that, see what I mean? Mentorship. I saw how other people did. I didn't know any of that. Because I was always in the street. I was always in the street. So I didn't understand that. But when I went there for four years, I saw how, how a mother and a, a, a husband who just took care of the kids and fathered them, mothered them, and, and protected them. And if I wanted to date her, spend time with her, I had to go to the house. I had to sit there, and she, she, she would go in the room, come back, and watch. Everything okay? Okay. I couldn't get away with anything. But I look at that now, and I treasure it. Because today, many parents don't watch their kids. The kids end up in trouble. you got to watch them like a hawk. You, you can't believe them half of the time. What's in those pockets? Uh, None's in the pocket. Come here and I'll show you some pockets. You got to be tough with them. Tough love. That's it. Right. Tough love. Amen. But we, we learned that. So we raised our kids similarly. And uh, they hated it. But now they appreciate it. Now they appreciate it. Amen. Go figure. Anyway, this woman of God, um, she's a better preacher than I am. A better teacher than I am. So um, I'm going to sit and, and shut up. Uh, honey, could you come and preach the word? Come on. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise him. I have a reason to worship. Hallelujah. I know I'm here today, but I have a reason to worship.
And I just thank the living God. It's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And there's no other place that I'd rather be. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We've been talking this month. I've, I've heard about the anchor, God being our anchor, right? He is our anchor, and, and I just love God because we can always rely and depend on him no matter what we're going through. And I don't know, but I, I looked up the word anchor just out of curiosity, you know, because sometimes we say words. But, you know, anchor has several meanings. But the meaning here that we're talking about is a person, and in this person is God. That provides stability or confidence in an otherwise uncertain situation. Hallelujah. It is God who provides stability, confidence in an otherwise uncertain situation. How many of you know that today? Amen. So as I was getting ready to bring this message forth, I came, the Lord gave me the title, Overcoming a Desert Experience. And we're gonna, I hope you got your notebooks ready. I hope you're gonna take notes. I got 13 reasons why you may be in desert experience right now. So I hope you're taking notes today as I'm bringing the word of the Lord. But we know that overcoming a desert experience is not an easy thing, yes. right? We go through a lot. It's not easy for the believer. A desert experience can cause a lot of sadness when we're in, how many of you have been there? Well, how many of you are going through a desert experience right now? Hallelujah. It can cause much sadness and difficulty. It can cause anxiety. You get anxious, worry, right? And the list goes on and on and on. There's a lot of things that happen when we are going through a desert experience or when we're in the wilderness somewhere. We become, I say, uncertain. We don't know. It's almost like the rug is pulled out from under your feet. There's an uncertainty that happens when we are in a desert experience. At least for me. I'm the only one? (laughs) But even though it may be difficult, even though it may be uncomfortable, even though we may be going through things, we have to know that God is with us. Right? He's going to fix whatever it is at the end of the day. And he's going to renew us in the process. Because a desolate experience is a process. And there are reasons why God allows us to go through desert experiences. Many times he's putting us through some process in our lives. So for some of us, this desert experience will last a short time. I love it when it lasts a short time. I don't know about you, but I'm loving it. You know, the short time versus the... Yeah. You know, the, the, the years, yeah. you know, because sometimes we go through years of a desert experience. Sometimes our desert experience is short lived. Come on, come on, come on. Who wants to short live? Short and sweet. But at the end of it all, God will glorify Himself. How many of you know that? At the end of your desert experience, He will glorify Himself. Come on. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And I love this verse. It says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. What is it saying? It's saying to 
and let nothing what? Move you. See, the problem is we're allowing things to move us. See, let nothing move you. We cannot be moved. Stand firm and do not be moved. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not what? Is not in Come on. So what is it saying there? It's saying, stand firm, right? Let nothing move you. So even though we're going through a desert experience, we are supposed to allow nothing to move us. And in the process, continue the work of the Lord. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Are we doing that? See, that's the question. Are we doing that? So how do you overcome a desert experience? Number one, we must stand firm. You have to stand firm in the word of God. What does the word of God say? We have to be immovable when it comes to the word of the Lord, right? First Thessalonians 3 says, because now we really live, now we really live in spite of everything. Are you really living right now in spite of everything? Yes. Now we really live in spite of everything. Mm. If you stand firm, what is it say? Come on. Come on. You really live if you're standing firm in the Lord. Come on. But that, see, it's not just living. Okay, I'm living. But if you're not standing firm in the Lord, Amen. <laughs> that's not going to work. You see, so you have to be standing firm in the Lord. Because once you're standing firm in the Lord, you really live in spite of everything that is going on. I don't care what it is. You're going to live if you're standing in God. When standing firm, we have to reject thoughts of fear because I'm telling you, the enemy will come and bring thoughts of fear. You know, yeah. we, we begin to wander a little bit. Yes. Amen, amen. You know, our thoughts begin to wander. We're not sure where we're standing. Yes, yes, yes. We're not sure that we're standing in the rock who is Jesus. Yes. You see? So um, we have to guard our minds. How many of you know that? Yes. You're in a desert experience. You really have to guard your mind yes. because really it can go out there if you're not yes. careful. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Sure. The enemy comes to bring deception, right? He comes to bring, no, that it's not gonna, it's not gonna get better. Thoughts of it's not gonna get better. It's not gonna work, uh-huh. right? Yes. Have you experienced that before? And sometimes, you know, we have to even be careful when we're going through a desert experience, who we talk to. Yes. Come on, come on, come on, yeah. come on. Yeah. During a desert experience, we gotta be careful who we talk yes. to. Yes. You know, and I'm gonna tell you why that is. Is because if you're not careful, they could bring you down further. I'm telling you because I know from experience, when I've gone through a desert experience, sometimes people tend to want to bring you worse news. You know, instead of, you know, them encouraging you, standing with you, praying with you, right? They bring you worse news and it just causes you to come down even quicker. See, I've known people who have, are going through some stuff, you know, because we're going through some stuff, and I know a lot of you today are going through some stuff. I like to call it stuff, because that's all it is. It's stuff. It's a lie of the enemy, you know? God has it all under control. So we're going through some stuff, right? 
And I know a person who was going through that, and she was, I've been praying for her, and I've been praying with her, and, you know, I told her, don't worry, I'm, I'm praying with you, and, you know, and then, and then I, I heard some bad things in the background, you know, some bad news, which is true news, but it's bad news, you know. And I said to myself, I'm not even going to tell her, because how's that going to bless her? You know, sometimes... We're busy talking things and we don't realize what you're saying is not blessing, yes. but it's bringing the person further down. Yes. 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 So I said, okay, I got that bad news, but I'm not going to even tell her because I'm come standing with her in prayer. I'm trusting God for deliverance, right? I know God is going to do something mighty in her situation because that's the God we serve. Yes. Praise him. Hallelujah. Number two, when we're going through a desert experience, we must take courage. We must be courageous. <laughs> Got to take courage. You must be courageous. You know, bold and courageous, knowing who God is. Right? Psalms 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. It says, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord, see, when going through a desert experience, one of the things we have to understand is God is doing something. And we got to wait on the Lord because your answer is coming. It's on its way. See, and it doesn't matter. You see, it's not about my time. It's not about your time. It's about God's time. What is the timing of the Lord? See, some desert experiences last longer because God is doing some things in us, yes. right? Uh -huh. And he's not going to rush the process until he gets it just right. Because he's got something planned for your life and he's about to launch you into something. And before he can launch you, he needs to put you to the process. And that's what God does. I got 13 reasons. You guys are ready to write down these 13 reasons? You know, sometimes you see these, you know, sometimes when we're going through a process, I tell people, buckle up and hold on real tight because things are gonna be really rough, you know, right now. I say that to myself. I say, okay, buckle up, you know. <laughs> this is gonna get really tough right now. Waiting on the Lord can be that type of experience where you're like, just hold on tight. He's there with you. Yeah. We don't see him sometimes. We kind of like, but he is there. Trust me when I say every desert experience I have experienced, talking from experience, because we are all if if you're living today, you're gonna go through a desert experience sooner or later. <laughs> We're going to go through the same journey. Everybody journeys, you know, sooner or later. And, but I love my God because when you look in ancient times, you know, even the, 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 our elders, men of old, if you want to call it, they themselves had a lot of desert experiences. Yes, yes. Amen. Why? Because they're humans. You know, we, we look at the life of one person, the life of the other, and we go, oh, I wish... But you don't know what they went through. You don't know the desert experience that they had to endure to get to where God brought them. And waiting sometimes can plunge us into, into a place of darkness, right? Sadness, 
Um, and if we can become fearful, but we need to understand that waiting on the Lord is what we need to do. We need to stand in his word and stand in him. I just love God because no matter what I've been through in my life, he's always been by my side. And you know, when you wait on the Lord, guess what? You have peace. I don't know. The, wow, there's a peace. There's a peace. And I, you know, I have a sign over my bed. I look at it every night before I go to sleep. It says, give it to God and go to sleep. That's what it says. Give it to God and go. That's what I do every night. I don't care what I'm going through. I look at that sign and go, give it to, okay. Give it to God. I gave it to the Lord. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm not allowing my situation, my desperate situation, to take me out of my peace with God. So I give it to God and I go to sleep. I go like, okay. And then I realize, you know, after all of that, I say, there's nothing I can do. That's right. There's nothing I can do. I can't change anything. I'm not God. I can't change one iota. So I go, let me be at peace because what am I going to do? So I sleep. I eat. I relax. Because I'm, I'm relaxing in the Lord. And the, I'm the, you know, God, you, we're resting in God. You rest in the Lord. You know, you move on. I call it moving on. You move on, you know, and you move forward with your life because you can't change a thing. See, you got to give it to him. He's the only one who can work miracles. Well, I'm not a miracle working person. I tell people, people tell me, why are you so peaceful? I said, because I can't do nothing. I can't do nothing. And I recognize I can't do nothing. So I'm, I'm why should I worry about it? Why should I worry? I can't do anything about it. And I'm talking to you today because I want you to understand how to overcome your desert experience. We're going through it. You're going to go through it. And if you're not going through one now, you may go through one next week, next year, in the next two years, right? You go through all those kinds of things. So we must take courage. Be courageous. You know, stand in God. Rest in him. Say, okay, that's it. That's what I do. I just rest in the Lord. I says, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, and if it has to do with family, I go, I can't change them. I go, they're your child, Lord. You deal with them. And I give them back to God because they belong to him for in the first place. I'm not worrying about it. And when people bring me back, I says, I'm not worrying about it. I'm going to go eat and sleep. That's it. You know, God has it under control. God knows what he's doing. Number three, we must trust the Lord. Huh. When going through this experience, put your trust in God. We must trust the Lord that he's got it under control. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord, right? With all your heart. And what? Do not lean upon. See, you see, we try to lean upon our own understanding. You know, we try to fix things because we think we, we know more than God. So we begin to not lean on God's understanding when God is saying, you know, just give it to me and I have it. I'll take care of it. You'll see. Hallelujah. So we got to, we, we got to, we shouldn't lean on our own understanding, but in who God is and what he is doing. And what he is doing. So the obvious, this is obvious. We should always be trusting in God, but it's one of the things that we struggle with as believers. We struggle with that. 
We struggle with trusting God and believing that he can deliver us through a situation. We do struggle with it. Especially for those of you who suggested experience has been years, you know, you start to think, wow, when is it going to be over, Lord? And, and, and we begin to struggle with trusting the Lord. And I say amen, because I went through a death experience, it took like eight years, you know, and I, you know, I know all the people whose death experience went for 14 years, some people who's 30 years later still going through a death, see that's why I say, the shorter the better, you know what I mean? I'm not complaining, <laughs> I'm not gonna complain, because I've heard other people going a lot longer, you know? And if we, you know, don't put our trust in the Lord. We tend to get in the way during our desert experience. You know, yeah. we get in God's way. That's right. you, you know, and God's probably saying, you know, you're getting in my way, you know. And because you're getting in my way, now it's going to take even longer. Because yeah. yeah. right. we get... <laughs> this is why I don't get in God's way. I'm like, I'm getting in your way, Lord. I said, you know, hurry up, you know. Do whatever you got to do. Because then things to begin to last longer, and that's not, I don't think that's what you want, it sure isn't what I want, you know, I go, no way, you know, and that, in that time, we begin, our minds begin to wander, if we're not careful, we begin to wander if God is ever going to do anything, and we begin to wonder about it, we begin to say, is he ever going to take care of this, is he ever going to do something about this, we begin to wander, we begin to waver, you know, we're unsure, we begin to waver, we begin to wither, we get tired. So we begin the three W's, you see? Wonder, waver, and wither. You see? And we wither, and then the next thing you know, we're, not, we're, we're, we're in a bad place. We're in a bad place. Because our thoughts go all over the place. But God has a work that he is doing. See, God has a, God has a purpose and a plan for everything that he does. And he has a work that he is doing in us in order to bring you to the place where you need to be. See, he knows us individually, right? So he knows our shortcomings. So sometimes God is saying, I want to use you here, but first I got to fix you a little bit. You know, there are some things that you need to get rid of and some things I need to tweak in you before I can use you in that area. And that's what God does. And that's what I love about God. But he ha he'll finish the work. I always say, Lord, the work that you began in me, finish it, Lord God. Not about you. Well, the work that you, God starts, he is going to finish one way or the other. And he's going to cause whatever situation in your life that he needs to cause to finish that work. Be careful what you ask of the Lord. Finish the work and then I go, Ooh. That's what I'm saying. Like, okay. You know, he's going to finish that work. You know, there's some junk in us he's got to get rid of. And he's going to do whatever he needs to do to get rid of it. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he has made everything beautiful in his time. Whoa, okay, I, I finished preaching. That was it. I don't need to say another word. Right? Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he has made everything beautiful in his 
time. Not my time, not your time. In his time, he has made everything beautiful. Also, Psalm 130, verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being. See, I wait on him. My whole being waits. And his word, I in his word I put my hope. And in his word I put I put my hope in Jesus. I don't put my hope in my situation. I don't put my hope in my desert experience. I don't put my hope in other things. I put my hope in the living word of God. I put my hope in Jesus, who is able to deliver me from whatever it is I'm going through. And those verses. They tell us how to wait on him with hope and expectancy. See, it teaches you to wait on God with hope and expectancy, knowing that he has something for you. Number four, are you writing this down? I pray that you're writing this down. And then I'll still give you those 13 reasons why you may be in the desert experience, okay? Number four, we must praise him. Praise him in the good times. Praise him in the bad times. All the time. Praise the living God. Psalm 146 says, while I, 146 verse 2 says, while I live, will I praise the Lord? I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. You know, I, I always tell people, you, you got to be thankful. Yes. Be thankful in the good. Be thankful when you're going through stuff. Be thankful in the bad. Why? Because God, even in the bad, God is with you. Even in the bad, he's going to give you peace. Even in the bad, he's going to deliver you. So you'll be thankful for everything. Not just for some things, for everything. If you wait on the Lord, we can expect added and renewed strength. How many know that? When you're waiting on him, he, he will, you know, that, that verse that says Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord, they shall, ooh, their strength shall be renewed. So I wait on the Lord. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And every day I get up and I pray, and every day I give it to God, and every day I say, thank you, Lord, because I'm at peace. And, you see? And that's how you start to become, that's how you start to overcome your desert experience, knowing who God is and what God can do and what he's about to do. That's what I love about my Jesus. Now, God wants us to see our unique circumstances. All of us have unique circumstances. No one's desert experience is the same, right? Can I say that? Because everybody's circumstances are different. But it doesn't matter the circumstances. God knows what you're going through. See, what I love about God is he knows exactly. And I'm going to tell you, when I pray and I ask the Lord, he answers. I'm talking from experience here. God answers and begins to turn the situation around. See, because my trust is not what I see, you know, in the natural my trust is in the living God. And I say, even though it looks this way, God is about to make something new out of that. And he's about to take me out of this desert. Whew, and I'm going to have some, some uh, sunshine now and some, you know, flowers all around me. And I'm out of, 
Why? Because I know, I know the living God. I know the God that I serve. And some people will say, how do you continue to worship and to pray? I said, because God is all powerful. You see, and it's worse not having him in my life. See, sometimes I say, I'd rather go through something with my God than go through that same something with no God. I want to go. I'm going to go through something. I know I'm going to go through difficulties. I'd rather do it with the living God by my side. Who gives me strength to endure no matter what I go through. So waiting on the Lord teaches us to trust in him. No matter how long it takes, we can rest in him and in his word. And that's what I love. God allows us to grow to, through desert experiences in order to, and I'm going to give you the 13 reasons. This is 13 reasons why you may be going. I want you guys to really think about this today as I'm giving you these 13 reasons because maybe one or two or three or four or five might be the reason why you're going through some kind of desert experience. Number one is to fulfill a greater plan in your life. To fulfill a greater plan in your life. Amen. Like I said, God will allow us to go through desert experiences because it's a greater plan that he has. And I'm going to give you some examples in a bit. He has a greater plan for your life. You may not know, because we're not privy to everything that God knows about us. See, he has plans for our lives that we don't even know about. So he may be fulfilling, right? They're allowing you go through something to fulfill a greater plan in your life. Number two, to test your faith. How many of you know that? He will test your faith through experience. Some of those desert experiences have to do with God testing our faith. Do we trust him? Do we believe the word of God? Do we believe in him? Do we believe that he can turn that situation around? See, he begins to test your faith. Let me see. Yeah, you say you have faith. Okay, so let me put you through this. Let me see where you're at now. Let me see your faith is still holding up. You know, because sometimes we're going through some stuff and it seems like, we, yeah, I got faith, I've got faith, but something, the minute we're going through something, we're falling apart. So where's the faith? See, so he's testing your faith. Number three. He, put, he, he uh, puts us through uh, desert experience to produce in, uh, perseverance in us. Yes. So that we can persevere. How I many you know that when you're going through something and it's difficult, you have to have long suffering and perseverance, not giving up. You can't give up when you're in that desert. You can't give up trusting God. You can't give up praying. You can't give up. You got to keep pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing till you get your breakthrough. Number four, produce spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Some of us, God has callings in our lives, but we're still spiritually immature. And before God can 
but before we can step forward in that calling that God has for he has to put you got to produce spiritual mature, maturity in you so he begins to put you through a desert experience so that you can mature spiritually spiritual maturity so that then you can move forward in the ministry that he has set apart for you Number five is to be completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. Oh man, when it comes to desert experiences, boy, do we have to have faith. Faith, faith, and more faith. That is the one thing we must have in a desert experience. We have to have the faith that God is going to see us through. We have to have the faith that God is going to bring, turn this situation around we have to have faith that God is going to deliver us yes, or deliver our loved ones or whoever it is we're praying for. Yes. Faith. Hallelujah. And I want, as I keep bringing the, as I keep giving you this list, I'm praying that if you're going through this experience, start marking off maybe, okay, yeah, I think God is, <laughs> I'm in this experience because I have to go through this, this. Some of us, like I said, will be one or two. Some of us may be multiple. Number six. Sometimes a desert experience, God wants us to learn humility. To humble ourselves. Because sometimes we're not humble. We think more of ourselves than we ought to. And God is saying, you ain't all that. And I'm going to have to teach you some humility here. So I'm going to put you to something so that you can learn to be humble. Right? That happens. Number seven is to test our moral purity. Where are we morally? Hallelujah. Oh, where's your moral purity? Where's your morality? Huh? You see it in the street. There's no moral purity. There's no morality. And God is saying, no. Uh-uh, not in God's world. God wants a moral, pure individual who's going to worship and praise the name of the living God. And so you have to understand that God, he moves and he says, no, I need moral purity here. Number, and I love this one, number eight, prepare us. Sometimes we go through desert experiences because God is preparing us to comfort others. He's preparing us to comfort others. Sometimes you're going through some things, and the very same thing you're going through, you're able to minister to someone else who has got. God will take you out of that, and then he'll say, okay, now go minister to your sister and your brother in Christ because they're going through exactly the same thing. So he'll use your situation. He'll use your desert experience to bring comfort to others and to help others through their situation. See, because it's not about us all the time. See, God has all the people in his mind too. And so he has a plan, so he'll use you. He'll say, you're gonna go through this hardship in your life right now, but I'm gonna use your situation to comfort others who will be walking the same road that you just walked. And I love God because of that, because he brings comfort via us. He uses his people to bring comfort to others. Yes, sir. See, I can't comfort someone in a situation 
if I have not gone through it. Uh-huh. Right? Have you experienced that it's easier to talk to people when you have been there and you've walked those shoes and it's happened to you? Then you can bring more comfort because you can tell them, this is what I did, this is what God did for me. And now I'm praying with you because God will do the same for you. And so that we have more compassion for that person. We can empathize more with them. So that's what God does. He uses it for comfort as well. Now, number nine is, sometimes we're going through this experiences because he is preparing us to lead others. Before we can lead others, okay, let me prepare you for leadership. But sometimes God puts us in a situation to prepare us to lead others. Before you can lead others, you first have to be led by God. I am not leading anyone if I'm not first led by God. See, because sometimes people want to lead blind. You know, they want to lead blindly. You know, I can't lead. I can't lead. A, I can't even lead a roach. If, you know. If I'm not first led by God, sometimes we're in people's business. We're all up in people's business trying to lead them when we ourselves are a mess. You know, we should be like, sit down. You know, it's not time to do that. First, you've got to be led by the God and by his spirit before you can lead others. What does the word of God say? What is God doing in this season? I cannot lead unless God is leading me first. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Number 10. Sometimes we're going through this experience because he's teaching us patience. Let's have some patience. Oh, wow, that's a hard one for me. I don't know for all you guys, but... You know, the patience thing always gets to me anyway. You know, like, hey Lord, now, you know, I don't think I want to go through this right now. You know, the patience can really get me. You know, I, I'm sure some of you feel that same way. But he's teaching us patience. He's teaching us endurance. He's teaching us to wait. He's teaching us to, oh, just trust him. Come on. Come on. See, God ain't going to move any faster. He's going to move at his pace. So why not have patience and wait? He ain't going to move fast for me. He's not going to move fast for you. He's moving fast for anyone. So I'm like, I've learned to be patient. You know, I had to. I had no choice in the matter. You know, because year after year goes by and you go like, okay, another year. Seriously, I was like, Lord, okay, another year, Lord, how about this year? <laughs> Every year I was asking the Lord, how about this year? Something new going to happen this year? You know, because we're, we can tend to be impatient people. But God wants to teach us patience. He wants to teach us to wait upon the Lord. Number 11. Sometimes we're going through a desert experience to accomplish God's purpose. Yes. God has a purpose and a plan, yes. like I said. So I need you to. You're gonna. I'm doing something in you because I have a purpose and a plan for your life. And before it could come to fruition, I need to put some things in your life, right, and some deserts into your way or whatever, or put you in the wilderness yeah. to accomplish my purpose within you. Hallelujah. See. 
So that's what God does. He's going to accomplish that purpose if you allow him. He will accomplish his purpose in you and for your life. Amen. Number 12 is to allow us to experience the blessing of God's favor. Yes. Isn't it wonderful when God answers prayer? We go, oh, the favor of the Lord is over. Thank you, Jesus. And we sing hallelujahs and all that. And we thank God till the next desert comes. Come on. <laughs> right? He delivers us out of one, yes. but that doesn't mean there won't be one next year or the year after that or the year after that. As long as we're here in this world, we're going to journey, and some of that journey ain't going to be easy. Some of it is going to be difficult times. Some of it will be wonderful times and all different kinds of times, but not always what we want. But we thank God because for his grace and his favor because he gives us the grace for the going through. And he grants us favor. Number 13, this one is to teach us to trust in him. Teaching us to trust in God. When we look at scripture, and we go in deep into scripture, and you read in the lives of the ancient men, women in the Bible, we see a lot of similarities of people. We go, oh, I'd like to be like this person or that person. But did you know that those people went through wildernesses yeah. too? They went through their desert experiences as well. And we see that in one person, the life of Joseph. Right? He was sold into, so look at this wilderness. He was sold into slavery, they say about age 17. That was young. But didn't become the second to... Uh, to uh, the Pharaoh until he was 30. So I would say God put him, I'm going to put him here. I'm going to say God put him through a time of preparation because he could not deliver his own family or the Egyptians from famine unless he had gone through some stuff. You see, God had to say, I have to prepare you and then he had those dreams, and he told his brothers, I had dreams, you were all bowing down. Remember that? Yeah. In the scripture? Could we say humility? Maybe God was also bringing some humility. It's not about you, but it's about me, what I'm about to do in your life, and how I'm about to use you for my glory. So Joseph went through some stuff in his life in preparation in order for God to launch him, because when God begins ready to launch you, Right? He always hits the bullseye. Amen. So he went through some stuff in his life before he could deliver the people of Egypt from famine. You know, and he spent time in prison for a crime he did not commit. What? That's horrible. He spent time in prison. Some people say, some scholars say he spent about seven years in prison for that. Some of us can't spend a day. Okay, we're falling apart. But he stood in the Lord, and even there in prison, he ministered to the prisoners, right? He used the time to minister to the guard, to whoever he could minister to, and then he was able to interpret dreams. And it wasn't until two years later, he even spent two years later after that, after he told him, when you get out, talk to Pharaoh about me. Then he talked to Pharaoh about him till two years later. Come on, come on. So he spent years in prison yes. 
for crime he did not commit, but God was preparing him for something greater that was even, even above and beyond what he could have even thought or imagined. See, because we don't know the thoughts of God. There are things that God is doing in our lives that are above the thought, our thoughts. You know, and we can't imagine what he's about getting ready to do in your life. Also, stay steadfast. Hold on to the Lord because there's something coming. God is doing something in your life if you're going through a desert experience today. We see the life of Moses. Moses killed the Egyptian, right? And fled for his life into the wilderness, into Midian, right? And it was, he spent 40 years there, 40 years before, before the burning bush experience. Again, a time of preparation, God preparing him, preparing him, preparing him. The burning bush experience didn't come till 40 years later. God had a great work for Moses, but it took preparation and time before it came to fruition. We also see John, and I love John, the beloved, you know, he was banished by Rome to the island of Patmos. Remember that? And it was beautiful. In a way, it was a good thing <laughs> because it was there that he wrote Revelation. See, God said, I'm, you, you're going to be banished, but I need you to be alone with me, okay? Because there's a work I'm doing, and only you can hear from me. So I've got to separate you. So even though it seems like a desert experience, it really is not. It's just that I'm separating you for a work that I have specifically for you and for your life. For you and for your life. So he separates you for a purpose and a plan that only he knows. Jesus himself was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Right? Himself, our Lord and Savior, was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God when you read the book of Matthew. And he spent 40 days, 40 nights, fasting and praying, being tempted of the devil on every account that we're tempted at today. You know what he went through? And it was after that, that then it was a time of preparation. See, he was preparing himself. He said, ministry's about to open up. I'm about to do some miracles for the people of God. So I need to separate myself right now for the glory of God so I can be prepared to bring forth deliverance to the people see before he could bring deliverance salvation he separated himself and said i'm 40 days 40 nights in the wilderness i'm going to remain and then ministry if you read the book ministry began miracles signs and wonders and who a better example than our Savior, than our Lord and Savior, Jesus? Paul is another one who spent more time in prison than any, than any one of the apostles. Man, did he go through a lot. We're studying now 2 Corinthians, our class. We just finished 1 Corinthians. We're in 2 Corinthians. So the ladies know a lot about Paul and his life and the things that he had to go through. You know, in just one instant, he spent two years on the house arrest in Rome. For what? For preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? He had a mission 
from the living God. He had a mission from the Father to bring the gospel to the world. And so he spent more time in prison than any apostle on record. What a desert, too. I mean, that's difficult, right? We're reading about his life right now. Like, oh, sometimes people, poor Paul, poor Paul, <laughs> poor Paul. You know, he's gone through so much, you know, but he laid down his life for God and for the gospel so that we may have the gospel today. He laid it all out there. He says, God, use me. Do whatever you need to do. I, I don't care if I have to die, right? I just want to minister the gospel to the people. I just want to bring salvation to your people. The woman with the issue of blood, how many years did she spend? 12 years. That was like a desert for her because she could, everything she touched became unclean. And if you touched it, you weren't proper. You know, it, it, the Jewish law was like that back then. Anybody with an issue of blood, a woman with an issue of blood was unclean, was seen as unclean, and whatever she touched was unclean. She spent 12 years in that, that I call it a desert, because sometimes illness is a desert. And it's a dry place in our lives when we're battling with illness. So like I said, it depends on what you're battling with. What is your desert today? Is it illness? Is it something else? Whatever it may be. You know, she had to endure those 12 years until she touched the hem of the garment of Jesus and was set free and healed from her infirmity. Thank you, Lord God. The man with leprosy, he was another one. He spent years, you know, when you had leprosy, you were banished. You, had, you were banished into the wilderness. Nobody wanted nothing to do with you. They want to, and, and, and you couldn't even get close to anyone. So it was like a prison in of itself. Because you, you were secluded from everyone. You had no life. You couldn't spend time with people. But God came, Jesus came and healed him, right? And he was set free and delivered. And the minute he was delivered, now he was free to now so associate with other people with no problem. I love the story of Job. You know, Job went through a desert. He went through a huge desert. You know, I mean, the, the fact that he, all his children died in one day, everything was gone in one day, then he went through the boils and the sickness. What a desert. And when you look at Job and what he went through, it was because of a test. The, the, God, God allowed him to, God allowed the enemy to touch him. But he said, you can't kill him, but I'm going to let you touch, just a touch. Because he's going to continue to serve me. See, God knew who Job was, but he was being tested. So sometimes you are being tested. And so your wilderness experience has to do with testing. God is testing your faith. God is testing who you are. God is testing to see if you're going to trust and believe in him no matter what you're going through. So he puts us through that place of testing. Oh, I just love Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. A desert experience, yes, it's, it's very difficult. It's a difficult thing. But with the help of the Lord, we can get through it. How many of you know that today? You could endure, you can come out of it renewed, refreshed, and strengthened when you allow God to do what he needs to do. Yes. 
So, you know, I hope you wrote all this stuff down because look at where you're going through and say, I believe I have, okay, God is doing this in me, God is doing that. And it gives you an understanding of why we go through some desert and wilderness experiences in our lives. And that in turn can help you to know how to pray for your situation even better. We are overcomers through Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you know that today? We are overcomers through Christ Jesus our Lord. I, I, I would encourage all of you today to let your desert experience teach you, equip you, and mature you. Let those three things happen. Let it equip you, mature you, right, and teach you whatever it is God is trying to teach you. We just have to trust that he knows what God is, he, what he is doing, what God is doing. We know, see, God knows what he is doing. We may not know. We may not be privy to that information, but we know and we trust that God knows what he is doing. Amen. And when you, can, when you can see that, and when you can stand and put your trust in the living God, your desert experience will go through, you go through it like this. You have the peace, the joy, the happiness. See, so you got to learn to live in peace, joy, and happiness every day of your life, no matter what it is you're going through. You got to live in peace, joy, and happiness. See, that's why I choose to stand in peace, joy. Every day I wake up, I go, peace, joy, and happiness. I speak it to myself. I refuse to let any situation tear me down. Oh, you know, and, and you could cry, you cry a few tears, but when you get over the crying, get back up and say, peace, joy, and happiness. I put my trust in Jesus that he is delivering me from what I am going through. And that's the, at the end of the day, I'm like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Let your will be done. Because we have to understand that God's will needs to be done in our lives. Hallelujah. Hope you got a lot out of this today. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise him. Praise him. He's a good God. Hallelujah. No matter what we're going through, he's a good God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the living God. Blessed be the name of the living God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Your trials are almost over. Praise Him. Your desert experience is over. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, O oh God. Hallelujah. Blessed be His name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That was, that was a mouthful. I found, I found uh, as I was listening to the different uh, areas that we need to trust God in, I had found that in the process of it, we all go through a brokenness. Yes, yes. That at the end of the day, we learn how to trust God in the midst of pain, in the midst of brokenness. And then we also learn just how deceptive emotions are. 
If we live by emotions, we'll always be like this. Most actually, most of our problems and issues and pain stem from that, from our, our pain that causes us to react to life, to react to God, react to our brethren, react in, in our situations. But God teaches us. And thinking about a person like Joseph, I mean, sold into slavery at 17, didn't get into ministry, into that, until 30? So he was a prisoner, he was lied on, he's a servant. Yes. Meanwhile, God showed him something and now everything is diametrically opposite. Yes. How do you stand in a thing like that? Well, I'm sure he went through a process of brokenness. Yes. You know, the Bible doesn't say everything that happened to him, but in prison, I'm sure, like maybe the first year, three years, he was there. Yes. You know, God, where are you? you know, exactly. I'm sure he questioned it. Yes. But one thing about Joseph is he, he, was, he was such a strong believer in God's word and yes. promises that that helped him to overcome. And to help him to walk uh, to walk through that brokenness. Yes. And you might be going through a brokenness right now. You might be going through that right now. So bow your heads with me. And you, you that are home, bow your heads with me. Right there, right at home, right in your living room. Father, I pray for your people. Lord, these principles that were shared today, Father, have spoken to all of us in different areas of our lives, Lord God. But I pray this moment that in the midst of our brokenness that you give us that overcoming power to prevail. Give us that inner strength, that fortitude, the rock solid steadiness. As your scripture says, after having done all, stand. Give us that strength, my Father. That even though everything around us, my God, might be moving, quicksand all over the place, but yet we are stand, standing firmly on the rock. I pray strength over your people, over their minds, over their emotions. And Father, as we rehearse this word, as we go home and read it again, listen to it again, and just take these verses and just declare them to ourselves and start declaring your word over our lives, I just pray, my Lord, that you would grant us clarity in each area. And in the midst of brokenness, that we might live in such a way that we can give you glory and honor and that we might live in peace and that the joy of the Lord might be present in our heart in the midst of these situations and circumstances, in the midst of the disagreements, in the midst of the problems, in the midst of betrayal, Lord God, in the midst of great disappointment. May your joy flood our hearts. So I pray strength over your people. Supernatural, overcoming, prevailing strength in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give you the glory for it. Amen. Say, I receive it. I receive it. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So as we get ready to go to our homes, I really recommend that you listen to this again. Yes, you can yes. get it on Facebook later on. Yes. It takes a while, but listen to it, write out those points, yes. and, and just then ask yourself the questions. What areas am I dealing with? Yes. And, he, and, and go to God's Word, because there are a lot more verses. She just broached the service. In reality, it's much more to each and every step or process. Amen? And then not only that, get it in your spirit so you could share it to others. 
Because in the same way we go through our brokenness, like the word was sharing, we then can comfort others. Amen? Hallelujah. So Father, I bless your people this moment. As we dismiss from this place, I thank you that you have ministered to us. Your word has encouraged us. Your word has strengthened us, my God. So as we leave this place, we go with your grace. We go with your joy, with the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. The peace of God, which passes understanding. So Father, as we go, I pray that you would even grant us your wisdom to be able to minister to our families, our co-workers, those that you would put in our way. And even online, those of us that share online. I thank you, Lord, because you're with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. And your wisdom flows in us and then through us. So, Father, we dismiss from this place, giving you all the glory, the honor, and the praise in the awesome and majestic name of our Lord, our Lord, King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Remember, you are blessed and highly favored. So even in the midst of difficulties, be that light, be shine, and be that blessing that God has called you to be. God bless you. Love you. Have a wonderful week.